Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint Russell, your humble host, and I am joined today by the brother and father of, I'm going to call him an American hero, even though he wasn't born here, <laughs> Gabriel Shipton and John Shipton. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure. Pleasure. We could say uh, born again. Yes, exactly. He is, uh, uh, you know, it's it's totally bizarre because he's reviled by my government, but uh, deified by my people. And I, I don't know how you square that circle or, or balance that equation, but that, that really does seem to be how it is. The, the vast majority of the American people I know um, think that what happened or what Julian did was heroic and what's happened to him has been horrific. Um, any, any thoughts on that? that I mean, he's... Uh, I mean, the United States uh, culture accommodates lots of paradoxes and seems to... Uh from those paradoxes invent new ways of being. Um, as I grew up in the 70s, you know, I, I witnessed the unfolding of uh, new ways of being uh, constantly over a period of about 15 years, from the uh, beatniks right through the hippies, the, uh, the summer of love, and then rock and roll music. And uh, the even relationship between men and women and feminism. So that uh, was a paradox uh, evident uh, after the Second World War. And now we have another paradox, which I believe the United States can solve, uh, probably again affecting uh, culture of the West in a profound way. Gabriel, any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, we've come across the same, uh, you know, what exactly what you're talking about as we've been traveling around the US that Julian, uh, you know, is much loved by uh, the American people, but, um, you know, <laughs> it draws much ire from from the, you know, the sort of institutions, uh, the, the institutions of state. Uh, I think probably you know, you look back at Julian's work and, and his, uh, the motivation and the motivations behind WikiLeaks and, and what that meant to people, you know, educating them about what their governments do, uh, you know, what those in power are, are up to. And that's, I think, why people have an affinity, uh, you know, w with Julian and what he stands for is because he was uh, giving information to, to normal people like you and I. Uh, that we could access uh, directly uh, instead of uh, through these gatekeeper organizations or corporate media organizations that were uh, sort of giving us bad information fed to them by the governments. Uh, so I think that's why, you know, we and, and people more generally, uh, you know, really enjoyed Julian's work and enjoyed that philosophy behind Julian's work that, you know, giving people uh, educating people, you know, removing uh, people's ignorance so that they could make uh, better decisions about the way their society works. I think people really relate to that and, and, and it's a sort of core tenant of, uh, you know, what, what the US was built on and what the founding fathers, uh, you know, uh, rightly put in the, in the constitution in the First Amendment. I couldn't agree more and I, I can't help but think about the 
latest corollary to to Julian's work in the the Twitter leaks, which have once again demonstrated that our own government doesn't believe that we are intelligent enough to have the information to make our own minds up. Uh, that's it's been a trend that has unfortunately worsened as opposed to getting any better, even as we learn more and more about the censorship apparatus and and the means of control that they're utilizing. Uh, it doesn't seem to be slowing them down. In fact, quite the contrary. It seems that they're speeding up. And I can't help but wonder if, if you know, their their experience with Julian is in, in fact part of why they are going this path, that you cannot have, you, you cannot have a free internet and have kind of a, a, a cloaked ruling class. Um, and that's really where we're at, it seems like to me. Uh, is Is this a... I assume it's a global phenomenon, but uh, is, has that been your experience as well, that, that it seems that there is more and more narrative control and more and more willingness to overtly censor, uh, you know, journalists? <laughs> what seems to be, you know, happening as an observer uh, traveling around the world is that the inverse relationship between the moral aura of the institutions of state and their panic uh, uh, to oppress our understanding and uh, consumption of and uh, drawing upon our communities and ourselves to understand what is unfolding you know you have these extraordinary events one after the other covid ukraine uh, the collapse or the moving of uh, the collapse of wars in 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 the Middle East into peace, the arrangements uh, between uh, states to utilize their own uh, currencies in trade. Uh, uh, the, the inverse of that is the enthusiasm which these uh, institutions of state seem to be uh, grabbing onto instruments of oppression. Mm -hmm. uh, where it's going to end up is very curious. Uh, um, one of the iconographic elements is the, in the persecution of Julian Assange, every single, uh, how can I say this? It's, they're almost sacred. Every single element of what we favor about the United States and the West, uh, it's uh, human rights legislation, the the First Amendment, the Bill of Rights, the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the Conventions of Asylum, due process, fair court hearings. Um, every element of that is decaying before our eyes in the pursuit of Julian Assange. It's a, a, a great worry. And I think, well, I feel that the support that Julian's receiving just last week. We have a, a series of letters. Uh, one uh, in particular I'll mention is that uh, the presidents of Chile, uh, Argentina, uh, Colombia, uh, Brazil, uh, Mexico. Now these are really important states have all made their, made known their uh, support uh, of Julian Assange. So in essence, around the world, uh, other uh, Western elements are joining together to bring 
attention to the, of the United States administration, the White House administration, that this is going nowhere for them. They're just going backwards on this. Yeah, well, thank goodness. And uh, just a quick question for you guys. I, you know, my community, the libertarian community, has been on the on the front lines demanding his release for as long as I can remember. I don't understand why this has gained steam as of as of late uh, now granted i'm thrilled that it is but i'm just curious if is it is it your guys efforts is it just a matter of time and outrage growing to a, a boiling point that they're finally willing to listen or why why has it finally seemed to have caught in you know hold well you know i think there are lots of many factors you know involved in this um you know partly uh, the efforts of everybody who's uh, advocating for Julian around the world, uh, you know, John, myself, and obviously Stella, his wife included, uh, you know, bringing people together, uh, you know, in every country. And I think you know, once once we go and we talk to people about, you know, what's going on here, they they usually join join our side. You know, like sure. they usually can see that you know what what is going on here is. Uh, you know, uh, absolutely appalling, and and how it affects them in in their in their countries. Uh, you know how it's the relationship with the you know the State Department in in countries like Germany or France, and and how their governments were interfered with, uh, how their economies were interfered with is all that's part of the WikiLeaks uh, archive, and so uh, there is a sort of um, natural affinity with, uh, you know, what Julian stands for in all these, in all these countries. Um, and I also think, you know, since 2019, uh, when the indictment uh, came out, so the 17 Espionage Act uh, charges, and people were actually able to read, you know, physically read the indictment and, and, and see for see, uh, see what it is, you know, it's, it's using the Espionage Act to criminalize uh, publishing activity, you know, for possessing and publishing uh, this sort of classified material. And so you have now all these organizations uh, in, in the USA, every sort of press freedom and human rights organization uh, can no longer stand back and say, oh, well, you know, we don't, uh, you know, it's not clear what's going on here. You know, Julian, you know, he has asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy. Well, now they have an indictment and the indictment says that what journalists and publishers do every day uh, is now a criminal offense and so they can't they can no longer hide behind any any of these other excuses they have to come out uh, in the open and stand against this thing uh, which is why you know recently you saw uh, I think November last year all the newspapers that collaborated with Julian on the release of the cables of the State Department cables uh, they all wrote a joint letter to the Garland Department of Justice calling for this prosecution, the endless prosecutions against Julian. That's a quote. They called for the endless prosecutions against Julian Assange to come to an end. And so I think it's a combination of all these elements. Uh, you know, there's this film Ithaca that we're touring uh, with in the United States. It's it's uh, been broadcast on the public broadcaster in in Australia, uh, you know, over you know, hundreds and thousands and th hundreds of thousands of views on that. And, you know, that's, it's all this part of the puzzle. There's many books that have been written. There's music being written. This is a sort of 
a global movement, uh, mm-hmm. a global movement for freedom of expression that is formed around uh, the fight to free Julian Assange. Yeah. Uh, just if I could add a little bit, not much. Sure. Uh, from a libertarian perspective, we've found this, that the, the, the usual thing in uh, cultivating social movements and politics is money, media, politics. That's the usual cycle. And we've found we don't have any money. So consequently, we've taken another course. And we go people and then media and then uh, some cultural change or or cultural connection and then politics. Mm. Um, We go directly to people all the time, face to face as much as we can. We use, of course, media as a facilitator of those meetings. But essentially, it is the relationship between people that that sustains us. And I'd also add that we are catalytic in, in as much as that we, I don't think we create the movement that's, ex- that's uh, flourishing. Uh, I, I feel that it is there, but it just needs a, a catalyst of an event. Yeah. Really important. Yeah, well, it, it it's, you know, it's just, I, I can't even imagine how it's been for you guys, but just for myself, um, you know, I, I watched the uh, the collateral murder video on, I think it was Facebook uh, back in like 2008 or nine, and it was so profound. It, it really, I think in many ways, it cemented kind of my anti-government views. And I think that's probably why they went after him is like, this is not a narrative that they, they want out there that this or anything other than benevolent global hegemons. And in reality, it's, it's quite uglier than that. Um, anyways, I, I did want to ask you guys a little bit about the, uh, just your, your emotional, I, I, I would imagine most interviews have not asked you guys about how you have dealt with this as opposed to how Julian has dealt with this. And I'm just curious how, how it has been for both of you to deal with your son and brother being, you know, persecuted on a on a global scale for over a decade. Well, it's pretty ugly, you know. It's dire, and it doesn't get any better for Julian now. It's now fourteen years. I mean, it's just shameful and disgraceful. I mean, if you look at the detail each day, you sort of wouldn't get out of bed because you can hard find it hard to believe that there's a judiciary existing in the world that can make a decision an evidential decision you know you'd, you'd throw up your hands and say what's the point but uh de- dealing with it, it as it flows towards us on a basis of faith that, that there is in the hearts of people a yearning for justice and a revulsion at injustice mm-hmm. has sustained sustained us minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day, and year to year. Wow, Gabriel, same. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I spoke to journalist uh, Chris Hedges, who works with um, he works with prison prisoners and their families. He does a lot of teaching in prisons, and one thing he observed, or one thing he observed about the families of prisoners, is that. You know, when when one one of them is in jail, they're all in in prison, mm. and so 
you know, I'd never thought about it like that before. Uh, you know, um, I would never consider that our situation is anything like that of Julian's. But in a sense, uh, in a sense, that brings us all together. And and uh, you know, as a family, we're united in in you know helping Julian uh, to keep fighting uh, to to beat this and and be free. Well, I'm I'm rooting for you guys. Uh... Now we'll ask the more the more commonly asked question: How is Julian doing? When's the last time you guys were able to see him, speak to him? Um, you know his spirits, his health, everything else. You want to go first? Gary? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, I saw Julian um, at the end of last year uh, when I was in the UK, and uh, you know it's a pretty you know he's in a pretty delicate uh, delicate position health wise. He's physical health has been deteriorating, you know, for the last however many years, you can imagine uh, that every day that you're locked in a room or, or in a prison doesn't increase the longevity of, of your life. You know, it's, it's not a, it's not a life giving place. Uh, you know, the situation that Julian's in, uh, he had a minor stroke uh, at the end of 2021 and the, and that those complications still still exist for him and that's evidence that this is really taking its toll uh, uh on his body mm. uh, when i saw him uh you know we try and make some light conversation in the in the prison you know try and have a laugh and and um you know make him smile or or, or something like that and and that's that's we try and enjoy our moments uh, together, uh, and that's that's how the sort of visits uh, with Julian go. So you are you are able to see him in person though periodically. Yes, yeah, yeah. If I'm in the UK, I can go and see him. He gets to see his family, uh, his two young sons, and and Stella uh, will go and visit him in the jail around once a week. Uh, so that's you know that I think from what I'm told uh, from other situations, it's those those moments that that really uh, keep people who are inside uh, going as well as hearing about uh, all, all the old friends that we meet uh, of Julian's touring around the place um, and and all the support that that is people who are standing with Julian um, and that keeps people going when they're uh, fighting in these in these fights yeah well thank goodness I I, I would I can't even imagine only seeing my wife and kids once a week, you know, and having to, to, I, I can't even imagine how, how much he must be just counting the, the hours and minutes down in between those, those trips or those visits. Um, just really heartbreaking. Do you, do you guys share my animus towards the media that didn't speak out in, in unison when obviously a journalist was persecuted to the end of the earth sooner? I mean, like, why didn't they speak out sooner? Or are you guys in kind of whatever whatever accomplishes the task or let bygones be bygones? Uh, let's move on and let's work together to get him freed. Uh, what's your pers perspective on that? Yeah, to a certain extent, uh, you know, it's we have to work with the media. Uh, and, and so we can't, uh, you know, can't rubbish them too much, but... <laughs> Well, feel free to do so uh, yeah, on this show. Yeah. I think <laughs> much like the Bill of Rights, if you aren't vigilant, your rights shall be taken away. And they can't be taken away. But 
you can take them back and you can take additional responsibility for your life and your finances by signing up for our sponsor, which is CrowdHealth. Health insurance plans can be confusing and expensive. Then when you actually have to use your benefits, there are deductibles, claim processes, and other red tape to deal with. But CrowdHealth puts you back in control of your health care and helps you pay for health expenses. CrowdHealth is simple, transparent, and affordable. As a member, you'll get a personal care advocate to help navigate the complexities of health events. Your personal care advocate will even negotiate bills on your behalf. They'll be with you every step of the way and could save you thousands in health bills in the process. You'll get access to a crowd of thousands of other members who are ready to help pay for your large health expenses. Experience healthcare freedom with CrowdHealth. Visit joincrowdhealth.com and use code LOCKDOWN at checkout to get your first three months for just $99 per month. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code LOCKDOWN. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. And while you're here, make sure you hit that like, comment down below, and hit that subscribe button. Let's get back to the show. I think, you know, uh, you know, we are often, you know, as John was saying before, you can look at Julian's persecution and you can see the lengths that these powers will go to, um, to, you know, shut someone up or make an example of Julian for doing this, uh, for publishing this information or, you know, using these tools of technology to create a new system of, of information um, dissemination. So you can look at the media's silence uh, and, and you know, read that for what it is. It's like another exposure, you know, that they're not coming to Julian's assistance. You know, they, if they really wanted to, they could publish investigations. Uh, they could uh, really look into this and, and really, um, you know, expose uh, this sort of rotten system that's been created to uh, persecute Julian, but they haven't done that. And I think that's very telling, uh, very telling of, of their uh, position and their, and their closeness uh, to power. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's what that says um, to me. I mean, you have, for example, you have uh, an investigation that was done by three uh, Yahoo News journalists um, into uh, the CIA spying and uh, plotting against Julian, and that 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 article is a six thousand word investigation, you know, citing thirty former current intelligence community sources um, that said that there were plots to kidnap Julian that went as high as the Trump White House, you know, under Mike Pompeo, uh, emanating from Mike Pompeo when he was uh, director of the CIA. Now this didn't get uh, any reporting outside of Yahoo. You know, there was no reporting in the New York Times, no reporting in the Washington Post. You know, it's just it's just us and and the independent media that are that are really uh, communicating this to people. And I think that that to me is uh, you know an obvious exposure that uh, these prestige media institutions and their proximity to power is is still problematic. But I think the legacy. You know, what we're seeing now is this amazing blooming of independent journalism, you know, like you, you look at the Twitter files, right? Like this is a huge scoop and it, it wasn't broken by a prestige media organization. It was broken by these, you know, independent journalists, yeah. uh, uh, you know, and, a, a sub, sub stack army. Yeah. And now they're getting the views, you know, now they're getting the subscriptions and, and those subscriptions that's all been taken away from say the New York times or, 
or those other outlets. You know, it's not like people will keep their New York Times subscription, they'll cancel it and they'll go over and start reading Substack or, or you know, Seymour Hirsch. He, mm-hmm. he is now on Substack, you know, breaking, uh, breaking these amazing revelations about, uh, about the Nord Stream pipeline. So yeah. I think, you know, we're seeing now that news has been broken on these independent platforms. It's no longer, uh, it's no longer exclusive to these uh, prestige, uh, prestige media organizations. And that's really, I think, a legacy uh, of WikiLeaks uh, and, and Julian's work and, and really uh, using the internet as a tool of information dissemination. Yeah, well, ironically, it also proves how important his work was, you know, that you you now have only independent journalists that are willing to speak out on behalf of the original independent journalists. Um, quick question for you guys as to, you know, if there if there is a primary entity that has been responsible for directing both the the chilling of coverage in the media as well as the um, or, organizing or orchestrating the kind of the global government response in terms of like the Western governments that have seemed to have been, uh, you know, gone, gotten in line when it came to persecuting him. Is it, is it MI6? Is it the British? Is it the Americans? Like, do you guys have any opinion as to, you know, or, or is it, or is it more than that? Well, I got a pretty firm opinion on it. You know, I would imagine the UK. <laughs> Uh, and the United States are gathered together to, uh, you know, news dissemination in the UK it has to be controlled. They have a D notice. And if you get a D notice, which prohibits you printing certain information, you're not even allowed to say that you've got a D notice, nor what the, the D notice covers. Wow, they're I didn't pre- know they're that. Pretty, they're pretty fierce in their mm. oppression of... Uh, and also the outlets, the what we call legacy media, which is a polite term, um, you'd call it something else in private. Uh, they uh, deliver themselves to certain sections, um, but they deliver a sort of approach to government policy, which is in line with government policy, but addresses different sections of a society. So the Guardian is the left and the Telegraph is the right and the Daily Mail is in the middle and so on and so forth. Uh, These people, uh, you know, this scurrilous slander that they delivered at Julian's door for year after year after year, um, have realised, you know, as their ship was sinking, as it's going down and the water's coming over the scuppers, realise that they're in this boat as well as Julian. Mm. And so they signed the, the, the letter saying, you know, drop the charges. We, we demand you blokes drop the charges or you fellas drop the charges over there in the Department of Justice. Now that ship sinking will take them all down with it or just leave um, the ferment of independence like yourself and many many others it's terrific as gabriel just mentioned in the united states wherever we go there's small radio stations blossoming um, the telecommunications act under clinton 
ruined, you know, thousands of newspapers and radio stations in the United States. Equally, the uh, glass seagull removing of the glass seagull ruined bank after bank, which is the United States had many thousands. Now it has, you know, a few dozen biggies. Uh, as a consequence of that, um, the phenomenon is everybody has moved away and built their own stuff. And it's just wonderful. Um, it's not, it's still nascent in my country, in Australia, but it is happening. And the commentators uh, and their commentary are getting firmer, more accurate, and building uh, uh, erudition, deep erudition within their areas of interest. So it's no longer like the New York Times where you can cover uh, areas of interest by just turning a page, you know. Um, in, uh, in alt media or these platforms like Substack and so on, um, you do so by attending to different authors uh, as Taibbi on, on, uh, on the manipulation of uh, Twitter and uh, um, Cy Hirsch on, on the investigative journalism of the destruction of North Stream. So you just go from one to the other and you get actually a deeper and more knowledgeable more erudite perspectives can fulfill or will fulfill and does fulfill an understanding of how you've got to behave in relationship to your local politicians. But more than that, the last sentence, it fulfills a cultural necessity which informs the politics. Culture comes before politics, not the other way around. Hmm. Uh, Gabriel, any uh, any additional comments, or should I move on? No, I, I think yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with John. Uh, you know, on that, and I think you can look back. Uh, I always think you look back at these other societies that have, uh, you know, centralized uh, information and and, and um, you know these power structures that over time become more and more centralized. Like they're always trying to grab onto things and, and hold on to them uh, in a centralized fashion. But really, uh, you know, what that leads to is, is their own failure. You know, they become more, more and more uh, inefficient yes. uh, and uh, less able to uh, make changes and, and less malleable. Yeah. And so eventually they sort of collapse in on themselves. And so I think this, you know, this decentralization of media uh, you know, the decentralization of money uh, through th th things like Bitcoin, uh, their reactions uh, to this to this centralization, uh, centralization of, of power and, and information. Yeah, well, I mean, perfect example. Like I was a entrepreneur, ran a mortgage company, and now I can do like at least 20% of like a nightly CNN show <laughs> just as a YouTuber, like how, how has this even happened? And I think it's just that there's pure market demand. Like people want to hear someone who's actually in pursuit of truth because they know the news is not doing that anymore. And um, I think that's why, you know, Taibi and all these others, uh, Greenwald, et cetera, have, have really 
exploded in terms of popularity. There's market demand for this stuff. And, and, you know, I've always used the metaphor as like, as their, their fist clenches tighter, more and more of us slip out the sides and like we become the resistance. And I, 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 I have to give some credit to Julian on this. I, I, I don't think I would have been as inspired to pursue this path as I have been if it weren't for, you know, not just his experience, but his efforts and, and the information that he disclosed. In fact, um, you know, I'll be debating destiny in a few weeks on on the war in Ukraine and whether or not, uh, you know, the U.S. should be supporting them. And and one of the, um, in my opinion, one of the biggest smoking guns as to the fact that the West and specifically the United States State Department knew that this was a a red line for the Russians was, in fact, Julian's uh, release of some of those cables that that included the Niet means Niet um, oh, line. Yes, Burns. Burns. Yeah. Yeah. When, when he was uh, ambassador, he's changed his tune a bit now that he's head of the CIA. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, when he was still able to, you know, tell the truth in private. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, but I mean that it's it's really important that when we're talking about the the precipice of World War III, which in my humble opinion it is a sincere risk right now, and it's not taken seriously enough, unfortunately. Um, but you need real journalists. You need, like you're, you're not going to get the truth from governments in these in these situations. And we're talking about you know per, perhaps all of human existence ha hanging in the balance, and it, and it it may hinge on just a little crumb of truth. And I just don't think people really realize that. I mean, it, it's it's a profound reality that like just a little bit of truth could actually keep all all of humanity alive moving forward. It, it also could perhaps, uh, you know, create some real conflicts moving forward. But I, I just, it breaks my heart that there, there isn't unanimity when it comes for, uh, you know, demanding our free speech be honored, demanding that independent journalists and, and free speech or, uh, um, you know, a free press are honored. And, you know, I think most symbolically of all of that is to see Julian Assange freed. Um, is this, has the, the momentum gained globally or is this a, an American phenomenon? What, what has been your experience as you've done more and more media? There's, there's a couple of beautiful things in what you say, you know, there's a, we have an indigenous singer named Kev Carmody and he has a song, uh, big things from little things grow. Um, also, you know, you see uh, the, the giant oak tree, it grows from an acorn. So what you say, of course, is absolutely correct. The, the seed or the filament of gold has to be there. The United States, of course, had the great advantage of having the First Amendment and the Bill of Rights, which encompasses the, under, the First Amendment. Uh, encompasses the understanding that uh, something grand can come from something small. Mm -hmm. I mean, the First Amendment is just one paragraph, and yet in itself, it is grand and emulated around the world. So you're, you're under, I concur and recognize the beauty in, in what you said. Um, as to the question itself, you know, it is growing around the world. I mean, 
every Western parliament, with the exception of Sweden, and even Sweden used to have uh, Assange uh, supporters in its parliament, has some of them have a third of the parliament, like um, Greece, or the Australians have 25%. So, and so on around the world. I mean, there's no parliament that's not concerned. Now, parliamentarians rest upon or up, uh, let's say, are uplifted by people. That is, their understanding reflects a mass understanding of within the people, the populations. That's really clear to us. Um, and Gabriel can tell you about the letters that are circulating around the world. Yes, please. Neil, there's uh, some letters that were due to come out tomorrow um, of parliamentarians from uh, the UK, the US, uh, Australia, uh, all calling on the Biden, all calling on the Garland Department of Justice to drop this. And they're letters from parliamentarians uh, uh, or, you know, Congress people, legislators in, in all those countries uh, who are from all parties. It's not a you know, they're not just Labour or Liberal or, or Republican or Democrat in their own countries. It's a, it's a cross-section of the political spectrum who are all signing onto these letters. So that's a really, I think, a really interesting part of this phenomenon is that it's, uh, you know, it's not a left partisan. or right issue. It's not a partisan issue people understand or, or these politicians who are sort of fed from uh, their voters, they understand that this is, uh, you know, a basic democratic right. It's a basic building block of democracy that is at stake. And so that's why we see, um, you know, for instance, in the Congress, you know, this Espionage Act reform bill that was sponsored by Thomas Massey, as well as, as well as, uh, Ro, yeah, as well as Ro Khanna. Mm -hmm. um, so you see these types of people, uh, been able to come together, uh, come together on these issues. Um, you know, you have Marjorie Taylor Greene as well as, uh, you know, Rashida Tlaib. <laughs> right. and, and so, you know, when, when you have these sorts of, uh, you know, weird or not weird, but, uh, or strange bedfellows mm -hmm. in coalition, uh, I think that's very, very rare, uh, for, for an issue, but very, very it shows the importance, uh, yes. importance of the issue. Yeah, Fi shows that people are finally opening their fucking eyes and realizing how important <laughs> this is. With Get with the program. <laughs> yeah, man. It's it's uh, you know, forgive me. Uh, I'm I'm so frustrated by this, you know, and and I've only been a you know journalist, if this is even what I am, uh, for a few years now, and even I can feel the the temperature rising. That like they can come for all of us. Uh, the fact that like it. It's not just individual. Uh, like now, there are so many of us because of the the you know advent of the internet and all these other platforms that allow us to you know report independently. Um, but you you look at the the Twitter leaks and you're just like, wow! Like they are they are willing to dictate terms of service to basically every giant social media platform. Like these people are not interested in my rights. They're not <laughs> interested in free speech. They're not interested in a free press. They're not interested in journalism at all. They would greatly prefer to have us be, you know, 
the CCP where you have all, all media state controlled and, and operated. And it's just, it's horrifying that it's, it's taken so long for these assholes to realize how dangerous this is. And like, do you want to live in a world where journalists are persecuted? Do you want that? And it just, they don't seem to take it with the level of seriousness that this obviously demands. And I'm, I'm so fucking pissed off. I, I can't even like put it into words how upsetting this is. Um, anyways, I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about, uh, you know, what Julian was like as a child. Is he is has he always been kind of this uh, an intransigent figure that was in pursuit of truth, or uh, what was he? How did this transition into this uh, this industry happen? Well, his uh, mum uh, used to call him Wizard. Uh, uh, it was shortened to Wizzy. He's pretty precocious and uh, curious. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, uh, disciplined in his particular uh, academic concerns. Yeah, that, that precocious and uh, how did he say uh, a compelling curiosity was his word to describe it. <laughs> compelling curiosity in, in terms of himself or in terms of his like no, he, you know, like he, he just, uh, his, his uh, uh, curiosity was deep and compelling, so it drove him uh, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, I feel like I, it's, sort I, of I agree with you in the, like, you, you know, you're expressing the frustration of, uh, at uh, the growing tyranny in the Western nations, particularly after COVID, which yes. was sort of like a nightmare of tyrannous laws everywhere, lockdowns for God's sake. But I, know. Uh, it, yeah, I always revert, you know, so that we're no longer naive. The Julian has now been 14 years banged up and had 10 years of ceaseless scurrilous slander, the most scurrilous slander. So it illustrates to you over and over again that if we don't organize and have some unity about our capacities and our freedoms, if you like to use that word, they're ours. And in the case of the United States, its constitution, particularly the, the Bill of Rights, one to 10, numero uno being uh, the First Amendment. They belong to the people of the United States, not the government, not the government. And everybody who enters service in the United States, wherever, swears allegiance to the Constitution. So that's the bounden duty of a citizen is to one way or another gently persistently firmly adamantine diamond-like hardness insist that those who take the oath of allegiance take it very seriously beautifully said and uh yeah i keeping in mind too that that document does not give me those rights. I have those rights. Yes. They can't. They can't take them away. Yeah. And I, I, man, it's uh, 
it's heartening to see you guys, you know, taking so much time out of your lives to to continue in this fight and to spread the word. Um, and and I really, I really hope that there's a a, a break in the dam, if you will. Um, uh, Gabriel or Gabriel, is this a uh, the the documentary? Is there any beyond that? Is there anything else that you know my audience can do to support in this cause? Yeah, well, we're encouraging everyone to contact their Congress people uh, to. You know, uh, there's a letter circulating, or just contact them and let them know that this is an area of concern for you. And you know, what are they going to do about it? Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we delegate our power to them. You know, so so we have to sort of let them know what we want, or, or let them know, uh, you know, what what's on our minds and what we care about. Let them know that we'll replace them if they don't listen. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. They love votes too. Is the documentary out already? Yeah, yeah. So we're touring We're touring the US at the moment. Um, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So you can, you can log on to the website, ithaca.movie. That's I-T-H-A-K-A dot movie. And that has all our schedule on there. We also encourage people to... A host a screening if they'd like to so they can um, pop all their information into a, a form there and and we'll get it you'll get a response uh if you'd like to host your own screening somewhere of of the film well i i, I didn't ever you know connect the dots but the net means net uh line was that essentially ukraine was the the reddest of red line not just for russian leadership but for the russian people when it came to being added to nato and that continuing in that path would likely escalate us towards World War III. And and it was once again, you know, Julian Assange's disclosures that allow us to know that our State Department was not caught off guard, that in fact, they knew, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they knew full well that this pathway was leading towards a hot conflict and now a proxy war between the West and, and Russia. Um, I just want to say, you know, for someone uh, at the time, I was in my, I think, mid-20s when I, when I first saw any of the WikiLeaks disclosures. It, uh, it in many ways changed my life and it, and it it made me feel as if like if there was ever an opportunity for me to to contribute to the cause in any way I would you know I named my show Liberty lockdown you can already tell my political leanings and uh, and your son brother uh, you know Julian inspired me tremendously so um, and you guys continue to inspire me now that you're you're standing alongside him and and I, I really hope that we see, him freed here soon, and uh, and I hope that the people that have persecuted him unjustifiably pay a huge, huge price for it. Um, thank you guys so much for your time, and if there's anything else you'd like to leave with my audience, please feel free. We'll start with John. Uh, just, uh, I want to thank the people of the United States for their warmth and hospitality. They, um, you know, together, we'll get something done. There's no doubt about it. I agree. Gabriel? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with John. Um, yeah, and just thank you for having us on the program, Clint. And yeah, check out the website for, for where we'll be next around the States, um, uh, ithaca.movie. Love it. I will uh, link to that in the description below. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you would like to support my work, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. We are out. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?